What's up, Accelerators? Welcome to Normalize It, the show where we speak about and explore the business of disability inclusion and accessibility. I'm your host, Cam Baudouin, and on each episode, I'll be interviewing leaders, professionals, and people with lived experiences, and we'll be discussing the challenges, successes, and strategies on how to make this world a more inclusive place. As you know, many organizations are still trying to figure out disability inclusion through a trial and error method. That's inefficient. Stick around to the end of the show to find out how we can fix that. So whether you're an advocate, entrepreneur, business owner, stakeholder, VP, or just someone who's interested in the world of disability inclusion, this show is for you. Let's dive into it. What's up, everyone? Here it is. I'm a solo show once again, you know, looking around, don't have anyone else here. And I picked a topic today that we're talking about in the masterclass right now, because it is so critically important to think about your own story and your own origin story, especially when you are are trying to advocate for accessibility in organizations. And the reason for that is so often we go up in, you know, you, you stand in front of your peers, you stand in front of a group of people, maybe you're hosting a live show or doing a talk for a podcast and someone says, why is accessibility important? And our typical answer is, well, one in seven people have a disability. Or our answer is, you know, uh, there's $13 trillion of purchasing power of people with disabilities. And I'm going to be the first to tell you that that doesn't, that doesn't strike a chord with people. It doesn't move hearts and minds. And it's because there's no emotions behind stats and figures. We haven't made it really, really relevant. Back when I was a developer at IBM, I was brought in actually to IBM uh, as, as part of an initiative to help fix accessibility for a large banking application. We were rebuilding the, the entire front end and they brought in Cam, the junior developer, who, by the way, I had zero experience working in accessibility before that. That's about seven years ago. And I was uh, told, Cam, you're going to be in charge of accessibility. And sure enough, like most people do when they get assigned a big task like that, you say, excess of what? Right? I had no idea. In my previous experience as the developer, I never knew what accessibility was. So I did what, what I've heard many people getting started in accessibility do. They print out the web content accessibility guidelines, right? They print out the WCAG. It came to a book about this thick, you know, in that high bond paper that we get at, uh, at large corporations. And I think I put myself to sleep four times while trying to read it. It is not a document that you want to read, right? The guidelines, we were referring to them a lot. I inherited a backlog of over 3,000 defects in accessibility that the client found. So what did I do? I had to go and figure out a way to get good at accessibility. I spent nine months, maybe a little bit more, burning down all those defects. But what was interesting is I'd still never met anybody who identified as having a disability who benefited from the work that I'd done. So there is a traveling accessibility guy at IBM and he would go around to all the IBM offices all around the world. Actually, he went to India, he went all over the U S he went to Europe and he would go and teach people about accessibility. And sure enough, he was coming to the Toronto office. And, and he was blind. And so I'd never actually met someone who was going to be that end user, a real screener to user who uses screeners day in, day out, is going to evaluate the system that I've been working on for the past nine months. So when he came into the office, my boss alerted me that, uh, that he was there. And he say, uh, my boss was saying, okay, let's go meet Tom. Tom's in the office. Let's go. He went up to Tom and he stuck his hand right in Tom's face and, and said, hey, Tom, my name is Jim. And he stared Tom down while looking at him. 
And Tom never put his hand up. He had no idea there was a hand to be shaken. And this is interesting, you know, as, as salespeople, you know, they're like, you know, if, if I'm not going to get a hand, my hand shaken, then there's something wrong. There's that stare down contest, you know, a type personality, that kind of thing. If I wasn't nervous before I died from embarrassment at that moment, I ran back to my desk and I typed in how to shake a blind person's hand into YouTube. That's when I learned that all you need to do is ask, can I shake your hand? This was a light bulb moment for me where I really personified that this whole industry is all about people. Since then, I went and did speaking engagements only about accessibility. I specialized in accessibility. I became the accessibility practice lead for IBM Canada. And it wasn't without its trials and tribulations, right? I still encountered those objections that we all get. And I know, I know if anyone's have received this objection before, just drop a drop a uh, an emoji in the comment section. You know, if you've ever heard accessibility is not important, or if you ever heard that we can worry about this later, or we don't have budget for accessibility, or that's not a priority right now. I know you've heard that before. I know I've done surveys of my audience to know that. But I realized that I started, I had to get better because those objections are a part of this industry as well. Now I've been able to host this live show. I become an expert in accessibility. People come to me and ask for advice on how to improve their own practice on accessibility as well. And now I go and consult that that's all I'm known for. The truth is this story here, that was my origin story. When did this moment really click? When did this moment start making, becoming really, really relevant to me? And the thing is, when you get comfortable telling your origin story to a group of people on a podcast, to your boss, to your boss's boss, how high do we need to go to make it relevant? Like telling, telling your executive sponsor, one in seven people have a disability, does not move him to convince the team to change their minds. Work on this origin story. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to go through a bit of exercise to, uh, uh, to get this going here. Because by when I tell that story, I get a range of emotions. People come to me after and say, oh, you know, what was it like? You know, now I know how to address somebody who has a sight impairment. Now I know how to talk to somebody who is blind. Now I know how to introduce myself and not feel embarrassed. Because that's what our job is too, right? As accessibility professionals, our job is to bridge that gap. Bridge the divide between people who are ignored and forgotten and invisible in society and, and the rest of people, right? Like that, that's part of our job. These stories bridge that gap because when you talk about your struggles or when you talk about your transformation, people see their transformation as well. So it is the most critical part that when I talk about, you know, how to become a better advocate, well, what's your origin story? How did you get started into this? Well, I kind of just fell into it. When this became important to you, shines the light on why it's important to other people too. And this doesn't have to always happen in a job. You know, I know a lot of people join this industry because they have friends or family members with disabilities or they themselves have a disability. And their, their goal is to make the lives better for themselves or people they care about. It doesn't matter what your origin story is. Not one single thing. There's not one single word that's going to change people's minds. That's why we need to craft these stories. And the first time you say it, it's going to be weird. First time you say your origin story, I know for me, it's taken me seven years to figure out my origin story. And it shifts based on the crowd. It transforms and changes based on who's listening. If, I'm, if I know I'm in front of a marketing director, I'm going to change that slightly to make sure that he picks up the relevant parts. 
or if I'm talking to a team of developers, I'm going to highlight the parts where I was a dev first and I'm going to highlight the coding aspects of that too. But it's so absolutely critical that you craft your story in a way that makes people realize that you struggled with the same struggles that they're going through right now as well. Were, were you once upon a time ignorant towards accessibility? Because that's where they are right now, right? So many people right now are so ignorant towards this industry that we need to help them move through that and move past that as well. Some things to think about too. What were your highs and lows? Where um, and You can just think of the, the hero's journey, very typically, right? Like think of Lord of the Rings, right? Um, there was the ring and, and Frodo had the ring. Then uh, Gandalf comes in and he sets Frodo on a journey, right? That was, that's, you can follow the same composition. Look up hero's journey online. When this aha moment happened was your call to adventure. That's what made it important to you. So you can go and start to craft that story. Where was the high, where's low? Where did you reach objections and how did you overcome them? Did you think all of a sudden, oh my gosh, this is really, really difficult. That was a low point. You figured out how to overcome those challenges and now you're in a better place as a result of it. Now we still encounter objections. I get it. I actually was um, listening to uh, or speaking with a few people this week around where are their pain points? Where are their objections? Where are they struggling in the world of, world of accessibility? And the same comments keep coming up. I'm not being listened to. I don't know how to be uh, heard. Uh, I have too much workload. These are all things that we all encounter and that's part of the role. And these struggles that we're going through, once we overcome them, that becomes part of the story and it will open up doors that we don't even know that need to be opened. What kind of events should we struggle? I've got some notes here. If ever you're thinking of external events versus internal struggles, right? Decisions that you're trying to make yourself, um, things that you've had to let go or, or, or uh, work through in, internally, or was it something like, like me where I was thrown a large accessibility backlog? How did I work through that? right? These are external and internal stories that you had to, had to overcome and working those into the stories, pick one side and go with it. And like I said, the first time you say the story, it's going to be really weird. It's going to sound so weird. You're going to sound like no one wants to listen to my story, right? No one wants to care. But after some time, after you tell the story again and again, and I would start it at the very beginning of every single presentation that you do for accessibility, bar none, don't know, accessibility 101 conversation. I am dropping my origin story there. If I'm talking to a group of accessibility professionals, I'm dropping my origin story there too. It is so important that we connect with our audience when we talk to them, that we are not just spouting out facts and figures because that's not like, it's not gonna change minds. It's not gonna change hearts and minds. The first thing I want you to think about, where did you start? Where were you just before that aha moment, before that catalyst? What was your life like just before you knew accessibility was important? Were you working the same job you are now? Uh, or what were you thinking about when you heard about accessibility the first time? Did someone close to you make it relevant? Uh, maybe a friend or a relative? Uh, quick story on that. I mean, I'm colorblind. I, I learned I was colorblind at seven and my brother was five and we were outside going for a walk. And I walked outside and said, uh, you know, was looking around, nice spring day. And my brother said, hey, mom, why is the grass yellow? And I turned to him and said, it's not yellow, stupid, it's orange. So my mom's there looking at two kids who can't identify the color of the grass properly. But, you know, that's just part of my story. The, the real reason, the real moment I got interested in accessibility was at that time at IBM. So where were you at the time where all of it clicked? When did it become relevant to you and your role? Number two, the journey. What changed for you? 
What was that moment? What was the callus? Was it someone like myself? Did your boss come to you and say, you're the accessibility subject matter expert now, go do your thing? Or maybe there was a project you actually met somebody with a disability who was trying to access the systems. Maybe it was customer feedback or something like that. What was that, what was that moment where it just clicked for you and you started to say, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know why we're building systems for people that don't work for everybody, right? Like when did that moment really happen? Because it was a huge shift in mindset for yourself. And that's when everything started to click, fall into place. Write that moment out because that's the moment you're really going to describe. That was my shaking hand moment. Uh, that was my going and running to YouTube and typing in how to shake a blind person's hand. That was the moment of the story where everything kind of came as a catalyst. Afterwards, where did I see it as an opportunity? Where did you see it as an opportunity? Now you personally know that accessibility is important. Now what? What did you do to start transforming yourself? Where did you go and gather knowledge? How did that shape the work that you started to do going forward? What did you decide to focus on after that? Did other people come to you and start asking you for advice? How did it affect others? I'm sure it added to your workload. You know, that's something that a lot of people comment on. All of a sudden becoming a subject matter expert in something, everyone wants your advice, right? <laughs> you become that person in an organization that people come to. Were you maybe hired on? Did you start to apply for jobs and roles as an accessibility consultant, an accessibility designer, accessibility tester, accessibility developer? Was this something that you acquired over time? What happened right after your aha moment? Then of course, the conflict happens. What was the low that happened? Did you start to get those objections that we talked about before? What were the roadblocks that kind of came up? And did you have like a, a developer who said, no, that's going to take too much time to fix that? Did you have a boss say, we don't care about accessibility? How did you overcome that? How did you overcome that? If it's too much to talk about, you know, I know a lot of people are in the thick of that right now, right? A lot of people in the accessibility industry are feeling burned out, stressed out, overworked. And maybe that's too raw for you right now. And we don't talk about that. What was an internal struggle? Did you have to go and acquire new tools, new skills, new knowledge? Because you didn't have it. Did you go meet people with disabilities for the first time in your you know, professional experience? Was funding pulled from under your feet? I've got a story about that. We worked for six months trying to stand up an accessibility team at a large bank. And then uh, six months in, we did all the work. We did all the research. We uh, found all the funding how much it would cost and all of a sudden an executive came to us and pulled the funding right out from underneath us shrinking teams lost a team of nine people that was really difficult how did you overcome that how did we overcome that finally what was the transformation once you overcame that roadblock what changed how are you better now from what you learned and you're still here all this time later if you're listening to this conversation right now you've overcome that you've transformed yourself again this is the key part of the story if you can share your transformation with other people then they're going to identify that themselves and start to realize that they themselves can transform too. How did you succeed? How did you fail? What were you thinking? How did you change for the better? A little bit about that transformation. I guarantee you right now, in some of the people that you're trying to convince around accessibility, they're probably saying things like no money, no desire, no time, you know, all these common objections that we normally receive. But I'll bet you, that they're struggling inside to try and figure out how to make it work. Not everyone who rejects something for money doesn't care. Sometimes we just say, we don't have the budget for that just because it's an easy objection to say. I know a door-to-door -door salesperson comes to my door and you know you open it up and you say, ah, I don't want you, you know, I've got no time for this right now. I've got no money, right? It's a knee-jerk reaction. 
by talking about some of these transformations, if you can relay how easy it was for you to overcome some of the obstacles or the conflicts that you've uh, that you had to struggle with internally yourself, I promise you that other people are going to look at that and say, well, if it was easy for you, then it's going to be easy for me as well. That how let's take a break the pause here and talk about that how that how is something that is so personal to all of us disability, accessibility, struggling with with mental health issues, thinking about people who are in wheelchairs. We're not used to having these conversations right now. Right? There's so much talk around these social movements. And finally, now we're able to open our mouths and, and speak about it. But so many of us day in, day out, we don't want to think about our grandmother who had Alzheimer's and, and is currently living in a, in a senior's home and can't pick up the phone to us. I know that story. I know that story very well. We don't want to think about the multiple sclerosis that we have that is slowly breaking down our bodies, right? We don't want to think about that. It's human not to want to think about that. So we need to make this hyper relatable. We need to craft our story so that anybody can just look at it and say, oh, I know that this is our future. I know that this is my future. I know that this is something that I don't want to think about, but is still relevant to what I'm currently doing. And it's going to, it's going to open up that, that conversation because that's really what we want to do. We want to make accessibility approachable. We want to make accessibility an opportunity and by just spouting out facts and figures as the first 20 slides of a presentation does not do that. It does not do that. You've got to be able to open up that conversation, a conversation by sharing stories, by sharing relatable and confident transformations that we all go through ourselves internally. We just haven't done it yet. So yes, they don't know how. The people we're speaking to just simply do not know how. And I know how frustrating it is, right? You've told people eight times before, just do accessibility. Just put the freaking alt text inside there. Why aren't you labeling these elements properly? Or, you know, just put a heading structure properly. I know, I know that's super frustrating. I, I get it. I get it. I try having, you know, the entire funding budget, you know, of $600,000 pulled out from underneath you. We had everything set up. That's tough. That's a hard pill to swallow. But we are coaches and we are optimists and we are experts at trying to convince people. And I think that's I think that's really what's missing in our industry here. But an origin story is critically part of that. Many people, many people have shared some of these uh, these struggles with me in terms of we don't know how to communicate accessibility properly to our teams. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to see a whole industry of people in 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 like internal chaos and internal frustration. We don't get knowledge or we don't get education on how to be a better advocate. Many of us just fall into this industry as we know it's the right thing to do, which by the way, hold on. I want everyone to eliminate that argument from your from your repertoire. Never say it's the right thing to do to anybody because saying something's the right thing to do, you're just going to get defensive like how do you know it's the right thing for me to do? How do you know? I'm here. That's not the right thing for me to do. It's the right thing for you to do, right? You get that objection because if I walked up to you, you know, you're not doing that properly. You're not doing, hey, it's the right thing for you to tie your shoelaces differently. People don't respond to that very well. Eliminate that. It's not the right thing to do. It's the only thing to do. And how do we start to move people like that? So thinking about it once again, we don't have a process to get into this industry. We don't spend the time to talk about 
communication tactics and negotiation tactics and how to move people from one state of mind to another state of mind. And I think that's the critical part that's missing from the conversation in accessibility. We spend an inordinate amount of time looking at these data structures. You know, what's the fact, what's the single fact that I need to share with my boss that will get them to finally say yes to my accessibility, like, you know, accessibility. No, it's not going to do it. You can share a story around how you were able to successfully work through a project on a deadline and complete it in time while it's also accessible. And you can share that with somebody and that'll be a much higher motivator because then they'll trust you that you'll be able to do it again. Absolutely. How can we create awareness for accessibility needs in areas where they didn't even think of it because of ignorance or lack of awareness? I think you've got it right there. If somebody is ignorant or they don't have awareness, how do you make it relevant to them? What team is this? Obviously, I'm not going to be sharing the same story in front of a crowd of 6,000 people, right? We're probably talking about a small team here. We're probably talking about an individualized team that needs help with, with something. If somebody needs to just become aware for the first time, they've never heard of the word accessibility before, they don't even know how to spell it. Two C's and two S's, people. You got to start small. You got to start super small and create small wins. It's the best way to do it. Show how easy it is. Show how approachable it is. Show how you yourself can be contacted again to make it simple for them to adopt. Find your allies. And this is something we talk about a lot in the masterclass. Finding your allies is so important. So you've got a group of people. That, you know, If you're in an organization of 100 people, 1,000 people, 10,000 people, doesn't matter how many people there are in the organization, you will have people who are empathetic to your situation. You can find ERG, BRG groups, abilities groups, marginalized groups. I found a lot of success in tapping into, and actually the disability community has a great history in tapping into LGTBQ plus communities or uh, Black Lives Matter. Finding allies wherever you are is going to be huge. You can't walk up to a brand new team fresh and start ordering them to do accessibility. You got to get your allies and you got to get your friends to help you out. Uh, move that team as, uh, move them as well. But starting super, super small. Awareness begins with your transformation. Speaking about a more common form of disrespect uh, to a recognized minority member and then change it to a deaf experience. Right. Why is one okay, but one's not, right? Why is it okay to disrespect and disregard one group and it's not okay for the other group? This is a great way to relate something and make it really, really personal. Getting people to shine a light and getting people to address their own insecurities, getting people to address their own biases uh, is, is part of this job as well. And again, some of us are so focused on worrying about, you know, the color contrast when really we're talking about deep rooted internal human biases here. That's how deep that we need to go. Wasn't that a great episode? You probably have lots of new ideas swirling through your head right now. Now, how are you going to go and teach that to your boss, your team, or your clients? You need a strategy to move forward. Contact me today, hi at cambodwine.com, and let's talk about how we can move this forward in your organization or individual practice. If you could right now, like and subscribe to this show. It really does help grow our reach to get more people involved and interested in disability inclusion and making the world a more inclusive place. And don't forget, you can also watch this show live on LinkedIn. Just find me there. It's every Friday at noon Eastern. See you next week.